relieved that that stupid Stanley Cup final is over so we can finally get on to more important things. Like, is it going to be Jeff Halpern? Is it going to be Derek Lalonde as the next Red Wings coach? Yeah, honestly, I've been just completely waiting for the draft and free agency and a new coach. I've been so bored without Red Wings news. It's so funny. Like, I feel a little bit as like a hockey fan in general, like taking the Red Wing bias out of it. I feel guilty like saying that as in it was like one of the more exciting Stanley Cup finals we've had probably since Detroit Pittsburgh. Like I'm trying to think back. Do you, can you think of like a more exciting final? Well, recent history, I thought the Boston St. Louis series was really good. That's a good point. Um, That's a good one. Otherwise this one, just every game was deadbeat exciting. I don't care if Tampa is getting blown out seven zero. That game was still so fun to watch. Yeah. Oh my, I had so much fun watching the game. We talked about that like a, in a previous episode, but yeah. Yeah, Colorado Avalanche uh, beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in six games. Um, we'll definitely talk about Tampa side of it, more so the assistant coaches, actually also the assistant coaches. Um, we'll talk a little bit Colorado too, and also uh, the E60 documentary that came out that we both watched last night. Pretty excited for. And we'll get into some free agency talk which we haven't really done too much about we kind of wanted to wait until a couple weeks out considering let a let a couple guys see if they resign all that stuff and see if Detroit made any moves which hasn't really happened so we'll take a look definitely at the forwards we'll see if we have time for the defenseman as well but yeah it should be a fun episode um but yeah welcome into the production line podcast i'm one of your hosts garth wickham grant wickham unfortunately uh Andy, another week without him. We miss him. Called him to work again, and he's missing all this off-season fun. It's okay, though. We He'll hear us, and he'll know we miss him. He's going to have a fun episode next week, though, which everyone be ready for. But first, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS is your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and, yes, NFL betting lines to their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with a proven man. Stay in the industry. BetUS. Bet, you bet. You win. You get paid. BetUS.com. Ooh, I almost butchered that again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little uh, behind the scenes, a little making the sausage. We totally just reshot that ad read because uh, your boy skipped a line and just started reading ahead. But it's fine. We're going. It's uh, We're in off-season mode now. I don't really have any notes. It's just whatever comes to the head flies, you know? I have so many absolutely ridiculous thoughts. I have been flowing through my mind for the past month. It's literally like you guys have been missing it. Cause I've been staying a little bit sheltered, but now that uh, it's the season's finally over, my thoughts are going to fly. And it's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of like idiot. some after hours, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some sick thoughts. I'm either a genius or, or not there. Yeah. Well, it's just fine. I think everyone's kind of like in the brink of insanity when it comes to the off season. Like anyone, like anyone will say anything and I'm, for the most part, I, if it's like with some reason, I'm like, okay, I can see it. Like, give me your reason why I should think this is a good idea. That's the most important thing to me when it comes to like off-season content, which we'll try to do today. You know, maybe people don't agree with us, but I, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, kind of building off of the Stanley Cup final, we can go into 
let's go the Colorado side first because I can go into the, the documentary right away. So Colorado wins first time since 2001, which I think this is the best team since 2001 as well. I mean, that's, this team is stacked. And they want, they did it without Sam Gerrard, who was a number three defenseman at the time. They also did it like with not without Nazem Kadri for a good portion towards the end. And Andre Burkowski was in and out constantly. Yeah, and also some of the worst goaltending in a Stanley Cup final since think, ever. Maybe Chris Osgood, he was thrown <laughs> in there. I mean, probably. <laughs> Someone. I know Jordan. I know. Go ahead. Under, to win under a ninety save percent. I don't know if he finishes under a ninety or if it was like a ninety. Oh my! I didn't. I didn't look it up. Uh, Kemper, he was like ninety or eighty nine. Something like that. That's but I think so bad. Osgood might have been the last one to win. I'm trying to think. Like, I know people hyped up the Blues run so much when they won in 2019. Jordan Binning had like a 909. Like, it was not that good. Yeah. It's just the St. Louis Blues were really good. So, I, I like that's another like overrated performance I think I can think of, like goaltending. Not that Kempers was overrated. He was definitely like Bednar ripped him in the media, like, whenever, like a couple of times. And, yeah, I don't think he comes back to Colorado. Kemper? No. Yeah, I don't know. He's really interesting because I don't think he's – he's – oh, my gosh. His years in Arizona, he was so good. He was a top five goalie in the league because of the shots he was facing a night and how his statistics – he had like a 993 save percentage in two, two yeah. years, I think. That's wild. And then this year – I mean, it kind of goes with the the whole thing that I am a little bit worried about is in our top goalie prospect, Sebastian Kosa. His numbers while facing low shots is horrible. And Kemper, there's a lot of games that he's facing not many shots comparatively to how many of the abs were putting up, and his numbers were not good. And he was better in the games that he was facing a lot. When Colorado got outplayed, he played good. Right. Because he's, I don't know, in Arizona, he was just dominant like that. I'm so curious to, like, who Colorado would replace him with. Um, I, I saw something about Marc-Andre Fleury, which would make a ton of sense. Just, like, a one-year guy who can just stop gap. I'm going all out. If I'm Colorado, I, I build off this past year, and I trade for a goalie. Um, I know you just traded for one last year. And okay, he gave up a decent prospect in a first round pick, but you won the Stanley Cup. You won the Stanley Cup. You still are the, in my opinion, you have all the leverage going into next year. So much yep. cap room. All you have to worry about is McKinnon's contract coming up, basically. I think you trade for John Gibson or you trade for Connor Hellebuck. I don't know what the price for Hellebuck would be or if they're even shopping him, but you have an easy trade piece in Sam Gerard. And then you stash whatever else you need. You don't need Sam Gerard anymore. And his cap it's five million for the next five years. Personally, I'm avoiding John Gibson like the plague. Why? I think he's super overrated. I think he's not super overrated at all. Like, I think you look at his numbers the past couple of years and everyone just points to how bad the ducks are, which is true. But like you look, I don't know. I think it's super concerning to go from um, sub nine ten or is sub nine oh five, I'm pretty sure the past three years. I think he needs to change the scenery. Personally, yeah. I think the price would be a lot lower for him than Hellbuck. Hellbuck, yes. Um, his numbers are kind of interesting because they're deceiving. They're actually so much better than it shows. 
Um, Winnipeg is one of the worst teams, chances-wise, and the amount of big saves Hellebuck makes a game is wild. That dude, Hellebuck is still a top five goalie in the league. Now, I'm curious, would he have a Kemper effect? Where... I don't I don't think so. So you don't the think thing so? is the thing is with Kemper, this is my most interesting thing. Any goalie that goes to Arizona performs. Karel Vamalka, unbelievable this year. He had his bad game, but he was unbelievable. Scott Wedgwood comes to Arizona. Dude, Scott Wedgwood lost me so much money this year. I when he went to Arizona, I thought for sure he was gonna be a train wreck there. He was unbelievable. And the so, so what you're telling me is so you're telling me is Scott Wedgwood to Colorado confirmed, <laughs> dude. No, Wedgwood Francois tandem. Oh no, I think I've come to the conclusion it doesn't matter who's in net for Colorado though. Like they just need they just need average goaltending and they'll win. Yeah, you need a a, a good good goalie, a decent goalie. So that's why I'm like I don't think they like I think Hellebuck would be really fun and they could definitely do it. But and Sam Gerard would make a ton of sense in that set and for Winnipeg, that trade yeah. for Winnipeg because they need a left handed defenseman. But I just don't see them giving up that many assets because why? Yeah, I just I think it, it depends what state the Jets are in, too. I don't know. I feel like uh, Hellbuck, not looking good is the answer. Yeah, I know PLD is on the move out. They should, they should get rid of <laughs> little whiny baby. Well, whiny baby. They should get rid of Shifley. They should get rid of Wheeler. They should. I, I think they should just full clean house, game. clean, house, clean house. And like you cut, and then you hit the point of like, okay, Kyle Connor, you're really good, like one of the best scores in the NHL. But you're gonna be thirty when we're good again. Sorry, get a shit ton for him. Get a bunch, and also Nikolai Ehlers. Ehlers. Oh my gosh, smell ya, see ya. Like I don't, I don't know. I yeah. Winnipeg Evgeny Shveshnikov, let's just here have these assets. No, Evgeny Shveshnikov will get paid because they need someone to play. <laughs> He's gonna make three million dollars. Maybe they have to hit the floor somehow. <laughs> they gotta hit the floor somehow. Is all I'm saying. Um, no, yeah, ta- yeah, Colorado is so interesting, and I think Gerard is a big piece. I saw he was listed on the Athletics trade board at like number eight. Well, this is just the thing right now. Uh, once. Actually, once the series started between Colorado and Tampa, I was already in off-season mode, so I couldn't help but look how much of a crunch these teams are going to be in in the next year or so. It, well, further than that for Colorado. Um, and Gerard was the big piece I saw on Colorado that that I believe will get moved this year. Yep. And I think he makes the most sense. It's not like he's a bad player at all. It's not a dump or anything. They're going to um, get assets for him. His playoffs – in the year before, when they lost to Vegas, he got torched that series. Yeah. He was bad. Um, the playoffs this year, he was Very fantastic good. until his sternum happened. Yeah. Crazy how that works. Yeah. Somehow it's vital. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. He lifted the Stanley Cup with a broken sternum. He's fine. Yeah. Must, must not be that broken. Yeah. <laughs> Confirm they just did it to get Bo Byron more minutes. Yeah, it worked. Mm-hmm. And it worked. And Jack Johnson's more minutes. I'm so happy for Jack Johnson. I'm not gonna me, lie. Me too. I love the, I love the J Fresh stuff about him changing his profile picture to Jack Johnson <laughs> holding the Stanley Cup. So good. Uh, I saw so good. Tw- and I he's saw... and that dude's he's gonna resign in Colorado. Confirmed. He's gonna be a depth guy. Oh, definitely. 
Yeah, why not? I, w- I would retire if I was him. No, he's not gonna retire, dude. He honestly, like, I'm not trying to like. This is oh, not like actually, a dig yeah. on him. No, I'm not digging on him, but he needs the money. Yeah, no, I think he will. Yeah, too. terrible. His parents are terrible people. Yeah, and he got taken advantage of, and he needs the money. And I think Colorado, they might like. Might as well say a little, dude. Dude, you can play seventh D. Who cares? Yeah, or eighth even. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he cares. I, I think he likes it. He seemed to really enjoy it, and I thought he played fine. He wasn't great. Like he's not a top four defenseman, but bottom he can fill in play 50 games he played he played really good for his role yes in a good system i don't think he goes to like detroit is like his veteran presence and does good he's a dandekaiser that played not as much as dandekaiser yes that's a good that's a good comparison yeah Colorado, congratulations valerie natushkin congratulations on your future contract because holy shit what what Nazim. give me a uh Six by six. Six, six, six by six. Yes, I was thinking six by five and a half, roughly. Five, yeah, five. I think I think it's five. I think it's closer to five. If he stays in Colorado, because they'll give him term. I don't think they're afraid about that, but they're going to lo- definitely lower the lower the cap hit. Well, you think about it, he's only twenty seven. Yes, that's a decent age range for Colorado right now. Yeah, no, he fits. He fits their window, and what also think- he really. What's that? What do you think Lackanen pulls in Colorado too? Um, I saw something that was like a four by four, which I think I'm like honestly probably pretty solid for him considering he's never made that much money and he kind of like just started to blossom this year. He had a fabulous year. He's really good. He had really good playoffs too. I really like Lackanen. Um, I think that could be fair. I'm I'm good with like if 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 I was Colorado fan, I'd be like yeah that's fair to me anyway. Yeah. Especially when you're clearing out cap and whatnot. If like a Gerard is moving, Kemper's not being brought back, and then it kind of brings me to like the point of like getting a cheaper goalie again. You know what I mean? But then like the free agency pool is like it's such a crapshoot when it comes to options. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, Tampa Bay. Oh, boohoo! Corey Perry, boohoo! Suck, suck. Oh, wah, wah. Corey Perry. What did he? What was the dirty thing he did? I'm trying to remember. Like there was a specific play that I can't. Think oh, he like kneeled on someone's ankle. Oh, it was um, wasn't it was Converse, Converse ankle. Yeah, he got up on Converse. I hated that. I hated that. That pissed me off. JT Confer, kind of uh, another guy who could be moved for salary yep. purposes. Not that he's a bad player. Again, he just makes three point five million, and it's um, tough for a third line center. He was a guy that I thought was going to get moved last year. And yep. then he came into this year. He had a really good postseason. Yep. Um, his value might be more than people think it is. Uh, Colorado might be able to get more back for him than he'd No, and again, I think they should explore all their options there. Joe Sackick's going to be kind of a busy man. Um, speaking of a busy man as well, with also with already having negative, <laughs> already had no money. I think they're over they're 1.2 million over the cap hit or caps um salary cap right now. Stampe Lightning. Uh they're gonna have an interesting offseason. And I think it's most interesting for the Red Wings fans because two assistants are already interviewing for new jobs. And I think it's already it's confirmed that one of them will definitely be leaving, but probably there might be a decent chance there's both, considering the openings. But yeah. Um, obviously both connected the Red Wings. Um, I don't know who do you want to start with in terms Maybe. of 
Halpern, maybe. Halpern? Yeah. Jeff Halpern. I is it bad that I'm kinda like I kinda want Halpern more? Is it because he's a head of hair? I don't know, maybe. I did I did see someone tweet it was like the bald brigade is in full swing in Detroit today. We'll get to that tweet in a second. But uh yeah, Jeff Halpern. Um Andy Strickland, he's uh ringside reporter for Bally Sports Midwest, but he's also an insider, host of the Cam and Strick podcast. Pretty good stuff. Um yeah, he reported that two of the assistant coaches is going to be like one of the two assistants are most likely going to in Tampa Bay are going to be the next head coach, of the little red wings, which over the past couple of weeks, it's not really that surprising to hear, but then he said, Jeff Halpern has the inside track, which was new, which was new. Um, so that leads me to believe, which obviously neither organization would admit that these interviews have been happening for a little bit now, which is pretty wild to me. I mean, not really. If you look at a real life aspect, when you are looking for a new job, you don't just quit your other job, like, and then go look. You look during your job, yeah, while you're still getting paid. And I think with the respect between the Red Wings and the Lightning, considering Eisman kind of bridging that gap, I think they kind of believe that Eisman will keep things anything under wraps, and they will, you know, business yeah. can go on. As long as it didn't interfere, and obviously they made the Stanley Cup final and lost to a, a better team. Yeah. Didn't really interfere with their, their day-to-day. No, I agree. So, to me, I think that's what was going on. Um, yeah, Jeff Halpern um, was a good NHL player in his own right. Middle Very six good. guy, his whole his whole career. He had a couple 20-goal seasons. Um, he's 46. He's kind of he, – he's, he's been in the Tampa organization since 2016 – as a development coach, and then he moved up to an assistant coach the following year under Benoit Gruel, who's another candidate that could be Detroit as well. We don't really know. We haven't gotten word on him. Um, yeah, Halpern. He, he's been running the power play in Tampa Bay past couple of years. I think his career is like average since taking over Tampa is like a 24%. Silly. Yeah. Very silly. Um, so it's like also, the kind of legal- a lot to do, a lot to do with the players that are there. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, I th- like I think I've seen I mean look at Washington this year. They had a garbage power play. Florida in the playoffs. Garbage power play. Washington in players in and out of the lineup constantly. But yes. Definitely. Uh, Florida's inexcusable in the playoffs. Yep. And so then, I think there's def- there's definitely something to be said about having a good power play coach. I've never understood Vegas' bad power play either. I think that'll change this year. With yep. Cassidy. That team is way too stacked to have a bad power play. Yeah. So I like again, kind of looking at that. Not that he'll be going in for the power play, but his offensive structure, I'm sure will be talked about with Alex Tangay, who at some points impressed, other points did not on the bench for the my, Red Wings. My only questions with Halpern, if he is a leading candidate or a, as a candidate in general. Um, very fresh to coaching. Um, as an assistant coach, you said 2016, so that's five years of an assistant coaching job. That could be a good thing, or it could be very interesting because Tangay is also very new to coaching, like a lot newer and a yeah. little NHL experience. Um, could be a bad thing, could be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely a good point. I mean, I think I looked at John Cooper, who also, like, when he was hired by Steve Eisman, had very minimal coaching experience as well. Like, 
I'm not in minimal. I say like he was a head coach, but he was lower leagues. And I think it was like five years as well. Something like that. I'm kind of ballparking it. I don't that, that's, it that's a little different in my eyes though. John Cooper rose up through the ranks of coaching. He went all the way up or started from the bottom, went all the way up. And then he coached in Syracuse and mm-hmm. won a champ. Did win two or one there? One for sure. Okay. So he was a pretty decorated coach. He won in green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, he won in Syracuse, and then he kind of made his way up. Um, where I feel like transitioning to Lalonde, um, he has more of that John Cooper-esque feel to him as he's kind of rid- risen through the ranks. Except he's the rise, the rise of Gru, the rise of Gru. He's that's the new movie coming out. So I just tied, I tied that all together. You're welcome. <laughs> Not a big deal. Not a big deal. No, yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, it's a perfect segue. Is before my, you know, not that great of a joke. Um, but yeah, Derek. Derek. It was reported by Kevin Weeks today that Derek Lalonde was in Detroit yesterday. So if we take into effect the Andy Strickland tweet of him saying that Halpern was the inside track, so you'd assume they have an interview. So I this kind of makes me think they're in the second round of interviews. So pretty close to making a decision. If Derek Lalonde's in Detroit, meeting up. I don't know if I'm thinking about that too much. No, I, I don't know. Um, that would make sense, personally. Mm-hmm. I don't think all teams do it the same. Right. I feel like if you're Iserman, you already know the guy pretty well. Mm-hmm. Why not just bring Both him right guys. in? Both and guys. You, you're confident that they're going to be one of the leading candidates. Bring him right in. Who cares? Yep. Or, and I, or the other thing about that is, what if Iserman already has three hand-picked candidates, right? And then mm-hmm. Tampa Bay loses. He's got two more candidates that he wants to rope right into that last tier. Right. That as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I think a couple points, like the surprise Bruce Cassie signing, like there's no way like Eisman didn't like just throw him in the list. Even if he had like a – if he was starting to get rid of names, that's a name you have to add in. Yep. It's a, it's a fluctuating thing. Um, but, yeah, Derek Lawan is definitely – he's kind of like the – he was the running of the defensive side, which – and you look at Eisman's comments as well. He want it's pretty obvious he wants a guy who's going to improve the defense. Now I'm not sure like what Jeff Halpern's like defensive you know structure is, but Derek Lawan has a track record of like coach like being a pivotal part of one of the best defensive coach teams. Yeah. So uh, does that fit more in Eisman's scheme? Maybe. The most interesting thing about Tampa Bay's run this year is their ability to adapt on the fly and change philosophies like defensively they were so dominant in the playoffs this year at shutting down opponents while going up a goal Mm -hmm. or coming back in a game um that has a lot to do with the coaching staff right um they've made it to Stanley Cup finals three years in a row now won the cup two out of three I it's more than just a head coach there oh absolutely I think success breeds you know it needs it needs more than just one person or a small group of people it takes a team and team obviously includes the whole coaching staff so yeah Derek Lalonde I'm yeah he's obviously we watched him coach when we were really young when he was Mm -hmm. in Green Bay and he had success there they're pretty good teams then they win the Clark Cup under him I'm pretty sure I'm not sure actually I need to double check that I'm actually I might be wrong on that um 
Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. He, uh, he coached the Toledo Walleye as well, which is kind of a connection, but I mean, it's a couple pages no. down. Yeah. Eisman wasn't wasn't in Detroit at the time, so not really a connection. But he's risen up the ranks and he's done time in each stop. I mean, I know people will point out his like AHL Iowa Wild like numbers where he went. He's basically 500. But also Iowa the year before he joined was I think the worst team in the AHL. That's a pretty pretty of big note. difference. Yeah, it's of note, and he's definitely a guy who's had a little more time. And if you you bring up the point with Tangay might be more seasoned to a better, have a better f- fit with Tangay possibly possibly I mean there's still a possibility Tangay goes and also the possibility of two player minds recent mm-hmm. player minds also is very interesting to me too Halpern absolutely and yeah and I'm not saying Halpern can't work because I actually I'm kind of curious how Halpern would work then I would think the Red Wings would look for a very experienced assistant coach and one guy who's like reported to be looking to like mentor the next head coach, like another head coach, is Rick Bonus. He said he would. He was said he'd. He's willing to go. To, he's on the record of saying he's willing to go to Montreal for Martin Saint Louis. So I, I again, I'm just. I don't think that's a connection at all. I'm just saying a name that like would be on the market. You know what I mean? And he's a good defensive coach. I mean, Dallas was good at defense, but they were very bad at offense. Yeah. So. Take that how you want to. Um, but no, I'm I think it happens this week. I mean, considering things are starting to heat up a little bit. I, I hope it happens before the draft. Oh, it's definitely gonna happen before the draft. I think Eisman kind of like basically said that he'd like it before the draft. Doesn't so, mean that it will. Doesn't mean that it will, but I don't know. I I feel like he will. He'll have it done. He'll have it done. Um, anything else you want to add on the, the coaching search right now? Nope. That's about it for me. I did. I did want to mention the other name, Ryan Worsowski, who I'm really interested if the Red Wings would include on that. I very intrigued in him too. I mean, he just won another Calder. Is that a yeah. second? I think it's a second. Good coach, and he's young. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. I think that's uh yeah. I, I know like Max Boltman's been writing about him for a while, and I, I do like that name. I think it's it's definitely an interesting name. Um, but yeah. I kind of want to talk about we kind of skipped over I me looking forward right, right to the coaching thing. We didn't really talk about the E60 doc yet. Um, we both watched it last night. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, very, very good. I didn't really have a lot of expectations going into it, even though like I try not to when something's really hyped up on social media, I try not to get my hopes up. I really didn't have a whole lot of expectations. I didn't even know if I was going to watch it last night. I ended up sitting down and watching it. Um, incredible. Yeah. I kind of, it, it was interesting in the sense. So I saw like that initial interview with Lemieux and McCarty. It's like a, that was a Woodward sports like interview that was on YouTube like months prior. I, guess I watched like a good portion of it. So like I knew some of those answers. So it was kind of interesting that they kind of like made that the backbone of the documentary and then kind of base the stories around that. You know what I mean? So, like, they kind of retold their events, and then they kind of spot-filled with stuff from everything from 1995 all the way to the accident. So it's a three-year span. Um, I kind of forgot that, like, 
a big portion of that rivalry starting was this that Kozlov hit on foot. That was a bad yeah. hit. That was bad. Yeah. Uh it was interesting too, because like the doc, I don't want to spoil too much, but also I kind of want to talk about it. So we're not spoiling it. Spoiler alert if you haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, I did really like it was interesting that they started with like the Colorado. They like went heavy on Colorado the first half, and then the second half was Detroit heavy. I don't know if you kind of like felt that. Like I felt that that a lot of the interviews in the beginning were Colorado because you had to move from Quebec to Colorado in the beginning. Yeah. And then kind of from their aspect, because again, it was Claude, it was Claude who made the hit, and there was like the buildup towards the the retaliation. Yeah. Um, I thought Mike Vernon was really good in it. The guy who like I don't listen to talk that often. I thought Vernon was really good. Yeah, he's a really interesting dude. Yeah, it's kind of just like it kind of is there. I also thought Brendan Shanahan was like super open and really talking. I thought Shanahan was really good. Steve Eisman was he didn't really look like he wanted to be there. <laughs> he was he's like, like I'm trying to trade Phil Peronek right now. <laughs> he's like, guys, I got I got way too many things going on. Jeff Halpern's in town. Yeah, Derek Lalonde's coming tomorrow. It's, I'm busy. I gotta I'm figure busy. out. Some gotta things. figure it out. Uh, and then like Joe Sackick's kind of like really bubbly about it. It's kind of funny, like the difference. Like see, Sackick was, really, was cool. really good in it too. Oh, I completely agree. In my ranking of favorite people to listen to, and that was Sackick, then Shanahan, and then probably Vernon, just because Vernon was really interesting. Yes, I was surprised. I also, no, 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 like, no, 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 the Red Wings trainer. The Red Wings trainer was really good. Yeah, he was. Also, uh, oh my gosh. What's his name? Coach the Avs. Oh, um, oh god, he was Pew Suter's coach, Mark Crawford. Yeah, he was good too. Yeah, he was. I loved, I loved like the, I loved like him talk. They're like, so we want to talk about. He like gave the date of like the the ass kicking. He's yeah. like, oh no, do we have to talk about that? <laughs> it was really funny. Um, no, I thought it was it was super well done. I mean, I don't. Get, what's my my favorite, my biggest takeaway from watching the whole documentary is when you think of Claude Lemieux, how do you remember him? Well, I mean, as a Red Wing fan, it's a piece of garbage. You, you just want to hate him. So, like, that's my big question. I think anyone, any most hockey fans around the league, I would say 70% would say just the hit on Draper probably. Right. No, definitely. He was a Conn Smythe winner. Also very good just, in Colorado as well. Like, it's he just, was a good player. It was it's just forgotten about that how good of a player he was because of yeah. one play. Yeah, I know. Like his reputation kind of followed him and and stuff like that. But I mean, he was really good in every place he went. Yeah. I love the whole aspect of Shanahan and him being like really good friends. Yeah, and then like Lemieux literally naming, naming Brendan <laughs> Lemieux after him, even though I don't know. I like Claude Lemieux better than like Brendan Lemieux. Is that bad? I don't think so. Maybe that's <laughs> nah, a little bit bad. Yeah, it's because Chris Draper would not agree with you. Yeah. Chris Draper is still holding some feelings. I mean, as he should. I mean, the dude busted his face. He can feel however the however he wants to feel. That's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it went from this like rise up and this like, yeah, Detroit's on top, and then obviously them winning the cup and then going into Konstantinov. That crushed me. I, I was that was pretty close to tearing up. That me too. crushed me. I thought it was so cool that his daughter was there to like give her two cents and stuff like that. And then Vladdy as well, like 
they like did really well like giving him like very easy questions to answer and him giving his like two words and it was really funny yeah his little answers but i i it was sad and i the whole scene of like them giving the cup in 98 to him i thought that was super special yeah kind of seeing the whole footage because obviously it's like the picker pick, uh, the pictures that like are like online of that but to see the whole video of like the skater on the ice is super cool yeah and joe sackick as well being well spoken about that he was really well spoken about that i don't know and even like the stuff about him and his daughter just the playing uno stuff is just heartwarming to me i don't know that's <laughs> awesome to see who, who always wins me me <laughs> no it was super cool um and then like also it was like really eerie like because you know it's coming and then it's like them on the golf course and then they leave from the golf course it's so sad yeah no i was impressed i didn't i didn't know what to expect either because like i've been pretty disappointed overall with like the espn's content this year and i thought they did a really good job with that yeah i guess out of the park if you go back in recent time though to most e60s that they've done have been very good no, yeah, they put a lot of work into that and they like do their digging and their due diligence and stuff like that. Um, and I think they definitely care about those. It's just like, I don't know, I feel like they could do way better with hockey, but again, that's a whole yeah. different topic. Um, also, yeah, I want to mention hey, Brian Burke being in there as well is really funny. Yeah. That's the, uh, well, I mean, he was like the director of player safety <laughs> at the time. And I loved how like he deemed like the party <laughs> stuff. Yeah, nothing's wrong with it. The Kozlov one. Yeah, it was a clean play. I don't know exactly what he said. <laughs> okay, Brian. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. No, yeah. I, I recommend anyone who hasn't seen it yet to give, definitely give it a watch. As, like, a Red Wing fan, like, it kind of opens your eyes up from the other perspective of the Avalanche and what they were thinking. And then the cool, like, now us being bonded to Claude the Mew at this point because of Mo Sider. And do we, we kind of have to be nice to Claude the Mew now. Yeah. Because he's he's uh he's negotiating with Steve Eisman. Uh-huh. Thank God, thank God, Chris Draper's not negotiating. I'd be a little like, worried about that. Yeah, I feel like it's more so Draper, not Claude Lemieux. I feel like Claude just doesn't care. No, yeah, because I mean, obviously he threw the hit, so he doesn't have that animosity versus Draper, who did get his face rearranged. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah I I really enjoyed it. It good, really good watch. Um. Yeah, let's move move away from that. Uh, there's a little bit a little bit of Red Wing news over the past week. Well, I mean, kind of just one, and that was uh, Victor Bradstrom signed a one year extension, which on the surface, like not really on like uns- like not really surprising. He had a pretty decent year in the Grand Rap- in Grand Rapids, especially the second half of the year. Very he- slow start to the season. Yeah, very slow start. He saw some Where time in Toledo. I. Th- think they were scared to play him a little bit because of how bad he was playing where they just overhauled Pickard. Pickard mm-hmm. ended up getting hurt on a call up to Detroit. So Brats trying to take over as a number one and he got his feet pretty wet in the AHL. It's funny that Pickard, Pickard got injured in the 11-2 loss to Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's a tough one. And like I couldn't even like it wasn't even really his fault that game. Ned was bad though that game. That was a tough game. Um, yeah, Bradstrom, uh, he had an eight nine four in thirty three games, which it's fine. Like I'm I'm not crazy about it, but it's also his rookie year. He's got size. He's pretty athletic. Um, from all accounts, like he, people were pretty happy in Grand Rapids with him the second half of the year. 
Um, but overall, this makes me very curious what the goaltending situation is going to be next year in GR. Because right now for Red Wing goalies under contract, we got Nadalkovic. Going to be Nacho. Not really a shocker. UC Okinara, who I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he's playing. With his contract, it kind of seems like he's going to be a, the number one guy in the AHL. But also, when you look at the free agent market for goalies, uh, not a lot of options. So, and he had really good numbers. Could he be an option in the NHL? Backup first year. I mean, good. And then you lead into Grand Rapids, where you have Victor Bradstrom, and then recently eliminated from the Memorial Cup, Sebastian Kosa, who needs some clearance. You know, is we're looking for some. What's the word I'm looking for? Not clearance. Clarity. Why I don't know why I couldn't think of clarity. Clarity on where he's going to play next year. What is your assessment of the situation? What do you think is going to shake down? Man, my first thought when Bradstrom was signed was, well, all signs point to me that Okinora is going to be the backup because you're putting yourself in a cat or kind of a pinch here goalie-wise. You already have three goalies between the AHL and NHL. And it's unsure what Okinora is going to be. Um, cap structure tells me what well, it told me to me that Red as they're going to try to make him the backup. And if he's not good enough, he's going to make a load of money in the AHL. Right. Um, the other thing with that is I think if you were having Okinora, in the minors, I think you'd want him paired with Kosa instead of Bradstrom. I feel like that'd be a good, pretty good mentor to have for Kosa and have them push each other or have Okinora push Kosa. So to me, that also is interesting that if those two are the pair, I don't know. I still don't see why you wouldn't go after a backup goalie because the uncertainty of Okinora. A whole lot of uncertainty in my head about the goalie situation. Yes. What is Costa going to do even? Yeah, and that's kind of like maybe that's kind of the Red Wings saying, okay, I think we need we need another year in the WHL. Because I think I, I think overall his season is just kind of like up and down. I don't really have an opinion one way or the other. I think it was fine. It wasn't dominant 15th overall pick that you'd like to see. But also he had his points where he was really good. I thought like in the like I, I watched him like the highlights in the Mem Cup, and it didn't really look like it was his fault that they were losing. It was more so the team kind of just fizzled out. Like I, I was kind of looking at the goals, and I'm like, there's one from the blue line through a screen. There's a power play goal. It's like I mean, tough. And he made some big saves too, so it's kind of tough to assess him in that sense. But again, we we're kind of talking about goalies earlier with who like Darcy Kemper, who does not play that well in a, on a good team. So I'm curious to see what his adjustment would be playing on a less good team. Uh, it would be really interesting. It'd be a trial by fire in the AHL. And you are, you could argue it would be too soon. So maybe the Red Wings, this is them saying he's not ready yet. And Well, you look at Philip Larson that they rush into the AHL. I, I think this is one that you have to be very, very careful of, with. You spent mm-hmm. a whole lot of assets to trade up for a goalie that you believe in. Uh, the you you <laughs> you gave up the OHL Player of the Year, of the year. 
and the WHL player of the year. Yeah. In this, in the trade up. Yeah. So you gotta be pretty sure about him, you know? And I'm still, I'm still happy with Kosa. Like I, we definitely needed that goaltending prospect and he's pretty raw and it's fine. We have time. You let the goalies, you let the goalies sit. So honestly, I'm kind of more in favor of leaving him dub. I, I am too. I don't want to rush him. I think Philip Larson was his development was botched completely. Yeah. Um, so my kind of my question is, so I guess we can kind of go into our free agency talk after this. But um, do you go after a more established guy to like kind of push Ned and be more of a tandem guy, or are you going to sign another Oakland Okanara type where those two can kind of compete it out for the the backup role? I, that's another really good question. I don't know. Cause there's guys like Jack Campbell. That would be really interesting in a tandem type situation. Um, Elliot Friedman reported that he was curious about Campbell to Detroit today. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. He's from the area. Port Huron, yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because I did, I did get a little word. A little birdie told me that uh, – Magnus Helberg is most likely not signing to Detroit. Um, I guess he's looking for a one-way deal, and Detroit's not offering him a one a one-way deal. So, yes, one-way deal on what? I'm proven. What has he proven? Exactly. So, it, for yeah, Detroit. Obviously, Detroit speaks smart here. They're like, no, we're not going to give you guaranteed money. So, yeah, I'm definitely – because that would be, like, the easy, like, Okanor type goalie. Yeah. Right? And those mean, two could compete it out for the backup role. I think a big reason you sign a deal like Okanor signed is uh, – this is another thing. I don't think Okanor would have signed in – the NHL if he didn't think he has a chance to be the backup goalie. And I think no, no. that would mean that management has been straight up with him. Like, you're going to have a chance to fight for an NHL goalie position. Mm-hmm. And to backstab off that, Helberg wanting a one-year deal tells me, in my mind, that you're not confident that you can win a spot. In my mind, the Okanora contract says, I'm going to win a spot. And if not, I'm going to deal with the consequences. Yeah, so that kind of leads. So we kind of go off that. It kind of leads me to believe that they're gonna guy. They're gonna get another guy like him, whether that be a North American option, like a a guy who really intri- intrigues me is um, uh, St. Louis Charlie Lindgren. Okay. Yeah. Because he had really good numbers in the AHL, and then he came on the NHL and did pretty well in minimal games, obviously. But I think I view him as like one of the better third goalies in the NHL. Calvin Pickard's another guy. I can see, and we bring him back. He's yeah familiar. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a couple options like that. I only the only way I see like the Red Wings really like dumping like jumping into the goalie market is if like they did like a cap dump. You know what I mean? Like a Laurent Brassois in Vegas. That would, that would make a little bit of sense too. If you like, hey, like, well, like for taking on his contract, you give us Nick Waugh or something like that. Obviously, yeah. they'd probably be a little more going back in Detroit's way, like something like that. I'm just speculating. There's definitely more in, into that, but I could see that making sense as well. Because obviously, like things happen, you get asset, you get trades that you don't expect. 
you can promise you can like say to a guy well, all you want like you could you'll have a chance but obviously stuff happens and you have to do it yeah so yeah no definitely something that like we've, we've been talking about for a while the goaltending situation is definitely gonna be very interesting moving forward um you ready to talk some free agents yeah first i'd actually like to talk about kevin fiala oh good point good point um yeah kevin fiala traded today from the minnesota wild to the la kings for their first their first round pick which is 16th overall to my 19th 19th oh even even lower and brock faber who's a minnesota boy um right off the bat i love this for both teams i love this for both teams la a team who struggled to score was very good defensively but struggled to score and kevin fiala who loves to score and is very street and like is a very offensive minded player kind of a match made in heaven in my opinion mm. i like it more for minnesota really okay I I, think- I'm, I'm i'm about even so like i could be convinced either way I think Minnesota won the trade. Um, you weren't going to afford him. Right. You got a very good prospect and a first-round pick that you could – you told me earlier, like you said earlier, you could flip or you could either pick – or you could even pick the player because you lost your first-round pick earlier anyways, yep. right? Either way, like there's plenty of options. Like, you try to get like a cheaper guy, like a cheaper middle six winger who can – like has like some upside – and uh, other reasons why I think this trade is not great for LA. I think Kevin Fiala had a career that I don't think he'll be able, be able to match ever again in his career. Um, he was playing on a third line with very good talent on his line. And he was playing other teams' third lines. And if you watched him in the playoffs, he was – out there for a skate. Who was majority? Who was the his line mates for the most of the time? Like where's was... end of the year? It was Goodrow and Boldy. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Matt Boldy's very good. Matt Boldy was very very good. I, know, I saw arguments be like, "Oh, it's Kaprizov." They played like Kaprizov. They played ten minutes five on five the whole year. I don't know if together. I ever watched them play on the same line. Maybe power play. Yeah, which is actually one of Kevin Fiala's weaknesses. Power play. Um, Not I a great power play guy. I'm not in love with the player. I think he got paid very well for one year. Um, he too. is electrifying to watch. Don't get me wrong. But he falls into the category, in my opinion, of the Jacob Veranas, the Brock Bessers, the – I guess those are – No, I, I, I agree. I think Jacob Veranas is the first guy I think of when Kevin Fiala. Very Very, very high-skilled, very streaky. They need um, to have the right situation. And you kind of think about it. Like, Jacob Verona also had a similar situation where he's playing lower minutes. Like, he's playing middle six minutes and has put up very good numbers. Yeah. And obviously, you kind of have to argue, you know, what happens if you give him more minutes? Is it going to be better? Is it going to be the worse? You know? Um, and I definitely think it's a concern, but I, I don't know. I'm curious how it's going to be like in, in LA's defensive structure. You know what I mean? I think this contract that he just received, too, makes other contracts really interesting. Like the Jesper Bratt con- contract going down in New Jersey. That Jesper one Bratt's is making, he's making eight. That one's going to be really interesting to watch considering what Kevin Fiala just made. And Kevin Fiala is what, two or three years older? 
than Brat? Uh, he is two years older. And Brat, in my eyes, is already double the player Fiala is. Maybe not double, wow. but wow. I think Jesper Brat's way better than Fiala. I don't know about that. I think I I'd, I'd, I would t- I think I would take Brad over Fiala. I wouldn't think about it. Really, I I, I think about it a little bit. I think about it a little bit definitely. But no, I think yeah, this sets up just more exciting off season in terms of like free agent contracts. Obviously, like it's an RFA deal in control, um, for LA to sign that. But no, and also Brock Faber, very good prospect, underrated in LA system. Dude can play. Yep. He was one of the better players in the the U.S. team for the World Juniors. Mobile, big, and can play. Nice to see. Also, Minnesota guy. I did like the picture of the Wild posted of uh, him banging on the glass after Kaprizov scored. Yeah, that's hilarious. I saw that. That's super funny. Super funny. But no, yeah, Minnesota Wild. Like Billy Garen, like he's in a tough spot, and he made a really he made a baller move, and unfortunately, he drew the St. Louis Blues first round. That's tough. And he's got a lot of dead cap. He's going to get creative. And he got creative here. And he has room to continue being creative, which is yeah. it's nice. It's nice. My biggest... Also, Mad, Mad Dumba. Ooh. Yeah, I think I, I mentioned. Oh, you were? I Sorry. I, sorry. I was going to skip there. I My biggest concern with Minnesota, and it kind of always has been, is their lack of offense on defense. Yep. They are so built structurally just to be this defensive team. And I think that you're lacking a very offensive defenseman. I'm trying to think where you're like, are you, are you, are going to continue going with that? Or is that, is that kind of, it was that was basically, yeah. I just don't, I, I thought you were hinting at like a potential like signing in the off season. Or no, something like I think their defensive core is way overhyped. I love Jonas yeah. Brodeen. I, I like Jared Spurgeon. I just don't think they're, they just don't get it done for me. They need an offensive boom. The the John Merrill slander will not stand on this podcast. Well, John, John Merrill's my hero. So Yeah. You watch your mouth. I almost think like it would be really interesting if they kept that first round pick and then selected like Lane Hudson or something. Man, small D. Him and Spurgeon just chilling. Well, just think. Like he's got yeah. the potential to be such a really a really good offensive defenseman. Yeah, um, that's true. That would be the kind of player that I'd be looking for that team to have. The perfect fit would have been for me would have been if D'Angelo was in our was the free that's agent this another year. Another one, yeah. And he would have paid him a million dollars because he would have flourished. Um, but I think they have that guy in in, in their own system, Addison, Kalen Addison. Yeah, he's offensive. I mean, again, he's not as super exciting, but he's a good prospect. And I think he definitely gets in this year. Yeah. So I yeah, no, Minnesota's definitely in I, I know you also mentioned possibly finding a cheap like middle six option, second line option, top six. Uh, I think Marco Rossi could easily fit the bill if um things come better to him this summer. I think I'm he could be he could be such an easy cheap option for them. Yep. Oh Absolutely. my gosh. Absolutely. And I think he'll probably make the team, to be honest. If I'm, if I'm I think honest. so too. He's I just think that, I, I was talking more so like a winger. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. Let's get more Red Wings focused. I'm I'm sick of the Wild. Stop talking Sorry. about them. Stop talking about them. So yeah, um, yeah. So July 13th. I was about to say July 1st. It's approaching fast, which it is. But 
Unfortunately, that's not when free agency starts. It's a random Wednesday, which is makes it very tough on us, you know, normal working folks. But we're gonna try our best. We're gonna cover it. Um, I kind of want to start with I want to start with forwards because I think there's I, I, honestly this year, like I'm being completely honest, I think there's some really interesting names. Obviously, you have the big like old time names like you have Malkin, Giroux, Kessel. I don't. I don't see like the 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 thought of of getting Malkin putting on a Red Wings jersey kind of makes me sick a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Also, he would he would ask Dylan Larkin to give away seventy one. Take you know, give him seventy one. Yeah, it's just not gonna work. Not happening. I did see something like someone suggest that online today. I was like, well, like you could just pay him a ton of money, but he's also injured all the time at this point. He's it's also a liability except for the power player. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Watching him five on five at this day and age literally hurts my head. Yeah. So I'm going to reference a, an article I wrote back a couple weeks ago. Um, actually, the beginning of the month. It's not a couple weeks ago. Literally three weeks ago, probably. Um, and some of like my favorite names on the market. And some of these, uh, unfortunately, have been priced out a little bit. I mean, when you look at Detroit's biggest needs right now on the team, uh, center. Very obvious second line center. I would say another top six winger and left handed defenseman that are NHL ready. We have left handed defensemen that are not NHL ready though. Um, so I think we should start with second line center because there are a couple names that are pretty interesting on the market, right? And a guy who I've been super into is Vinny Trocek. I've been I've been talking about this guy for like a couple months now. Um. I know he's not that big. I know. And he's like 5'10". But legitimate playoff performer does not – like, I mean, you look at Brady, Braden Point, you don't care how big he is. Vinny Trocek, yeah. same thing. I don't think you care how big he is. Really good PK guy and right-handed shot, which is rare. And he can fill in a bumper role in the power play. My favorite thing about Trocek as an option is – when you're looking for bang for buck in free agency, it's hard to come by guys that are going to be not cheap, but fairly priced because the market is so weird. The open market's very weird. Like everyone's going to get overpaid when you hit the open market. I think Trotech's a guy that his overpayment I'd be okay with yeah, because he's very good on both ends of the ice. And I mean, you're probably looking, Looking at what do you think? Uh, a five by five ish, a six by five. I think it's is what he's six is what he's gonna be wanting. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna try to push for like four by six or something like that if you're Iserman. Yeah. Um, I think Trocheck's a guy that would be very willing to sign in Detroit because of his roots there. Um, he's just he's a good player. No, yeah, he's a great player. He's probably like my favorite for the spot, to be honest, because I think he does so much on both ends. He's a good defensive center as well, and he can put up 50 points, which is all the Red Wings really need. I, I like Dylan Larkin can be the big point producer, but like they need another guy who can rival, like be close to that and actually be offensive product, offensively productive. Q Suter is like you know, good experiment and all, but he's he's a third line center. He's a pretty solid third line center. I but. think, I think he has the potential to be a very good third line center though yeah um, no and, uh, exactly but you don't win with a very good third line center playing second line no so 
Trocha, and it's it's so interesting. So, like, there's a plenty of teams that are going to be in the market for a second line center. I mean, you think of Boston, who's going to be facing a ton of injury in the beginning of the season. They're probably looking for a guy. The Rangers are going to be looking for a guy. I mean, well, they actually might have found their guy, to, uh, according to reports today. Um, I mean, there's a couple other teams as well. Uh, those are just the two that come to my head right away. And of course, they're in the um, no, no, I mean, same conference. One's in the same division. So yeah, there's definitely and like. Odds are Trochik might be viewed as the best one. So you kind of look, I kind of like move on and a guy who's kind of under the radar and is a center, but also is not that great at faceoffs, but has played with pretty skilled players and has been pretty good as Ryan Strom. Um, very notably, not very good at finishing goals in the playoffs, but pretty reliable in like being a 50 point guy of recent years. I mean, is that because he's playing with Panarin the whole time? Maybe, but it's hard to know. I I've I like his game. Like I think he's a solid enough player. He's not like the exclamation point second line center, but he's oh. better than what we have. Yeah, um, he's a guy that I have little to none interest in. Um, if we're looking at a Strom, I want it to be Dylan Strom. I'd rather take it. I'd rather take a swing on him. Um, if he doesn't go get qualified or if that he just happens to hit the haywire kind of like Suter did. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't have much interest in Ryan Strom, to be honest with you. I just think I could see him as a potential like natural fit with Jacob Verona as a guy like who is a self creator. And then like find just a guy who can find him the puck. Who's yeah. very good. He's a very good passer. It's not get it, not get it twisted. But again, I, I, I agree. He's not like my ideal guy. He's a right-handed shot as well, which is which is another bonus. Um, but yeah, out of out of the New York options, it'd be Andrew Cobb for me. Who's a guy? And I don't. The question is, can he play center? That is the question, because he played wing in the playoffs. He's played center at some points. He kind of just does whatever. But I do see some value if like you do sign him and like if the Red Wings kind of view it as more of a competition, like let's say Joe Valeno has a great meteoric rise mid season. Right. And he's like, all right, cool. We have our second line center. You just shift cop to the wing. Yeah. I think like that kind of gives you that safety gap where he's a guy who can do both. Trocek can kind of do the same as well. I kind of feel the same way with Trocek. I agree. Cops really interesting. He he's a guy that I would be more concerned about money than I would money in term than I would with Trocek. Okay. Um, I'm curious because he's younger. It's just, I feel like Trocek is a very reliable player. Mm-hmm. Um, Not that cop isn't. I'm just, I have more trust in Trocek's game. Well, cop is also kind of fresh on the scene as well. I mean, last year during the shortened season, he had 32 points in like 50 games, which is a very good year. I mean, across the full season, 50 plus points. And then this year was when he really popped off. And, I mean, his last 36 games, he had 32 points. Yeah. Very silly numbers. And he was really good. Like, I'm not saying he was, like, I mean, especially in the playoffs, Perrin wasn't that good. And you look at Cobb, he was the driver in that line. First in the four check, creating creating things. Um, He's definitely not, like, he's a really good finisher, but I wouldn't say he's, like, a power play guy by any means. Very good five on five and penalty kill as well. I do just love the thing. I love his game. And again, another hometown guy. So am I just marrying the Michigan guy to Detroit? Maybe. Maybe. But he legitimately could be a fit. I think both guys have 
good opportunity to be a fit there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of it. Like for like centers, I'm really interested in, in terms of like free agents, and it's uh, that's kind of like leads to our biggest need is three guys right now, maybe four if Dylan Strom, his the younger brother, gets on the market, who will have a ton of interest as well, if he hits the market, considering his numbers the past couple of years. Um, but then I kind of look at the wingers, and there's a couple. There's definitely a couple names that I'm I'm interested in as well. One I should probably mention right off the bat, like we talked about earlier, was Natushkin, who probably just increased his paycheck by two million this playoffs. Yeah, and I think I might avoid that. I I'd love it on the team, but again, I think, yeah, I'm avoiding that. Again, it's like kind of that one year, yeah, first year doing it's that. Scary, but it's different for Colorado, who's he's done it on that team before, and he has the track record of doing it for that team. So I I, I don't judge Colorado if they do that, but and, I, and with those players, true too. I know you just it's it's an easier pill to swallow. Yep, as a GM, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, I do love Nutrition's game, but I'm if I'm Detroit, I'm kind of avoiding that. The one I was, like, really kind of hoping for for Detroit was Palat because I think he does so much. But, again, I think he added a bunch of value in this playoffs. He probably added another couple of years of term as well, where I thought he was going to be a guy who was going to looking for, like, maybe a three-year deal at, like, higher money. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he added some dollars on as well. I mean, he was really good for Tampa Bay down the stretch. Yeah, and he's – quite a bit older too it's not that i mean he's 31 you see i thought he's 32 31 okay not that one year makes a really big difference at all but still i mean if it's different if you're giving like a three-year contract you're like okay it's he'll probably stay pretty close to the same you look at a five-year deal though then you're starting to worry yeah. so you kind of get in the, the game of too much term um a guy who i didn't have in my article and I, I kind of want to have the conversation with you simply because we kind of talked about it earlier this week. Um, and I don't think it's that realistic. And again, but Nashville just continues to be such a stupid organization when it comes to contracts. Phil Forsberg. I the think have the money. And the biggest contender for me personally was going to be LA for Forsberg. And they just went out and got Fial. I think it's more of a... Um, more of a conversation than I think you think it is. Okay. I think it's really interesting, right? We, we've we talked about recently, you and I have at least, I don't think on here, but we've talked about the cap going up. Yep. Would it hurt to sign Philip Forsberg? Would you sign him 7 by 8.75? Oh, I wouldn't even think about it. I think I always thought you were going to go a little higher with that. 8.75, I'm I'm doing it yesterday. Yeah. And so he's asking for low eights right now, and Nashville won't give him that, um, which is very interesting to me. I think – I know he's asking for an eight-year deal. I saw two, which makes a little bit of a difference. That's another year for him. Right. Well, you look at it like low eights, you'd probably be coming in around – it's high 60s for overall contract money. Yeah. So you, if you're looking at your situation, it'd be close to 60 million, but it's not, you're, you're still out on 8 million. Yeah. So you have to compensate. So yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, nine, 9.5 area. I would do He's going to be asking for you would do it. It's 40 goal score. 
Yeah. 80 points in like 60 games. I legitimately think he's one of the best wingers in the NHL right now. I do too. Um, I also think we don't have that superstar potential forward, forward. on the team. No. Or Ray Ray could. I, I'm not saying – I don't mean potential. I mean right roster player right now that can go out and just make a huge difference every game. Yep. Um, Consi- consistently. Consistently every That's game. That's the key word. That's the key word. Um, Skill-wise, Forsberg's – there's not many players that you could throw in the same conversation as Forsberg in the NHL when you talk about skill. Nope. Um, one of the most crafty players in the league. I, I don't know. It would be interesting to me what Forsberg's take on the Red Wings would be considering the history of Swedes and stuff and yeah. the Swedes that are coming up on this team. Would he find that interesting? if contracts were similar to what he's receiving from other people on the open market. I'm trying to think of like guys, like teams that will have that much cap space. Now the hurricanes to me are like the, in, the interesting team here. Cause they have the cap space, but they're never willing to spend it. Yeah. New Jersey's also an interesting option, but I mean, they kind of like married to Johnny Gaudreau there. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau, I kind of feel like it's kind of like a similar conversation to this. I, I don't change it that much. I do think Forsberg's better. I th- I'd rather Gaudreau. Me too. But again, similar conversation. They're not that far off. Like Johnny Gaudreau had hard votes this year. So that's that's crazy to me too that we both would rather Forsberg when Gaudreau is the better player on statistical sheets. I just like, it, and it sounds crazy. I just like Forsberg's game more. Like he almost he plays a really finesse game, but he also kind of plays with power. I think you know what I mean? his game is more serviceable and multiple aspects of a game like down down a lineup and with different players i think he's an easier fit yes where i think Gaudreau, um if you're putting him on the team i think first thought is he's playing with larkin and raymond where i think forsberg you could have other options that you're going to play him with it's not just right you could have bertuzzi larkin raymond and then forsberg who verona and whoever right freaking yeah joe valeno he'd have a time of his life Dominic Shine, yeah. I don't know. Michael Rasmussen. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I... Aaron yeah. Helm. Oh, we bring him back. Let's do it. No, yeah. So, Philip Forsberg, like, yeah, yeah I, I'm easily, like, I think I only start hesitating when it hits 10 for me. Okay. So, again, I don't think there are that many wingers. And Fugue, I, I told, I, I, Fugue and I had an argument about this because Fugue says I'll never play a winger over $10 million, which, fine. But also, like, if we're looking at pure value... Of that player, he's over. He's worth ten million dollars. It's just the salary cap makes us because of Gary Batman. We feel that players don't deserve the money that they actually deserve. And the other part about that is, and you had kind of told I don't know how much truth there is to it. If the cap is going up significantly in three years, it is. That's a fact from an agent. That's Alan Walsh reported that. That makes it even more interesting to me to sign a guy to that term. And it was like an estimated like $10 million spike by like 2024, 2025. And that's going to make things really interesting. If you sign yeah. a guy, it, it, will, would that push a GM, a smarter GM to sign someone like Forsberg for more money or throw more money at him? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think there's something to that. And again, like you look at it, like I kind of like was quickly mentioning like teams that could be a fit. There's like I think Carolina would be the like the easiest team because they're, they're constantly talking about a, a guy who who can score easy goals. Philip Forsberg can do that. 
but yeah. other teams that have cap space, there's not that many that have that much cap space that actually can make that really legit offer. Ottawa probably. Ottawa probably, but I mean, Ottawa. Ottawa never knows what. No one ever also, knows what they're doing. Also, you look at it from a player's perspective. Um, how comfortable do you feel with their ownership situation right now? Yeah. Committing to a team for long term for big money on a team who's not like is run no effect. Like obviously there was a huge like it was a an unfortunate like death that happened in the family, but it's being run by people are kids our age. Yeah. Currently, who own the team? I mean, obviously it's the lawyers and stuff kind of like are running the day to day stuff, but technically they're not the owners. So I think Ottawa, like while having a really good prospect pool, are gonna stay away from the big money stuff for a while simply because of their ownership situation and who's paying. And that takes a while. That takes a couple of years. Yeah. So, so while they were kind of poised to be ahead, almost ahead of Detroit in some sense, I think they're going to take a step back. And yeah. So, I mean, like you said, Carolina, that's the most interesting one to me right now. Yep. Um, I mean, there's always going to be dark horses. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's a good fit. Uh, another guy I'm like kind of curious about is Ely Mikheyev. I'm like somewhat, he was on a cheap contract. He had pretty good numbers in Toronto this year, but then I saw his contract ask, his re- reported contract ask, and I'm like, you know, never mind. He's looking for five by five. Yeah, I would never do that. Nope. I don't even think. I don't even think twice about it. I don't even think twice about it. Nope. 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 Um, Burkowski's another guy I'm really interested in. Colorado, he had a career year, which is again you have to be careful paying guys after career years. Look at Boston Bruins and Mapoleski. Um, there, there's definitely there's so many good like good examples of why you don't do it. But Burkowski's been a guy who's always had high skill and can play up and down a lineup. But again, I mean you already have Jacob Verano, who's a streaky scorer. I feel like Burkowski kind of fills in the same similar situation. He's another player that I see in that same conversation, like you just said. I I am not really interested in Burkowski simply for that reason. I don't right. think you want more than one of those players on a roster. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a little scary there. Another guy I'm kind of curious about, we talked about Dylan Strom earlier. Dominic Kubelik is another guy who's going to be an RFA and may or may not be qualified. That's another one that kind of uh, fits the bill of that <laughs> that streakiness. I know he had a complete off year this year, comparatively. I just I haven't. Whenever I watch Kublik, I'm very unimpressed. Yeah. Um. So he's a laser of a shot, but he's kind of like whatever five on five. Very lazy to me. Um. I did forget to kind of mention the center, and I kind of just did it simply for the fact that I think he's gonna be too expensive, and also his terms can be insane. But Nazem Kadri, yeah, I do love I, Nas. I do love Nas, um, but I think the age is definitely a factor. He's probably be looking for like five or six years at thirty-two. The last time I gave a center thirty-two uh, that was thirty-two years old a six-year contract did not end up going so well. No, to me this smells one name and one name only, and. Do you know who that is? Philadelphia Flyers? Nope. Who? I smell Don Sweeney all over this. Okay. Uh, how do I say this politely? Uh, Boston Bruins fans aren't the most accepting people, especially people of color. 
So I'm really curious what Nazem Kadri would think, especially playing for Toronto for all those years and all of the like he there was plenty of times online and I was like, yeah, Bruins fans, you probably shouldn't be saying that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if that's a concern. Like, I don't know if like he kind of looks past that if it's a big bag. And again, I do think Don Sweeney would definitely be some a guy around that. And I think he would throw all win. the money in the world at him and trade everything away that he needs to create that cap. I think it's he'd do tough. something really stupid. Yeah, I, I he's definitely it's definitely something there. See, like if a Dylan Strom hits the market, I think a Boston the Boston Bruins would be a perfect spot for him. Yeah, but that's a player Don Sweeney would not go and get because it's perfect for him. Right. Yeah, he's not the he's not the brightest guy. Not the brightest guy, that's for sure. Um, no, so I don't know. I Kadri to me is honestly like everyone's marrying him to Philly, but then again, who wants three centers making over seven million dollars? Yeah. I mean, Chuck Fletcher is crazy, but I don't know if he's that crazy. Oh, I'm I, not kidding. He's pretty insane. I don't know, man. Uh I really feel bad for all this Chuck Fletcher hate because I don't li- li- listening. To I him, don't listening to him in that that Tortorella press conference with him and Torts. He just sounded like a nice guy. He's just did you did you hear the reports though? Of him on Tortorella though, he wanted nothing to do with Tortorella, nothing. Yeah, I, it sounded pretty false though. If he comes out, he's the best source. There's no better source than the person himself. Sure, but is he gonna? He's never gonna admit though. If- no, he but actually you got to take, take someone's word for it. So, the, yeah, the, it was reports because he wasn't the run, one running the interviews. It was they went to an outside agency, which is a hiring firm, which is a common practice in among sports franchises. That's not like a weird thing. But he didn't have like the real – the guys were – they Barry Trotz tested the best, obviously, and they threw over $7 million reportedly at him, and Barry Trotz is like, no, nah, I'm good. And then John Trotter was the second best, so therefore he got it. And I heard Chuck Fletcher wasn't thrilled about it. And that's what I saw. I think it was like NRD, NHL Rumors Daily reported that. There was someone, but I just think rumors like that are should be just completely stopped talking about once the source comes out and completely ba- says that's not a real report. Yeah, maybe. And that's that's a Fletcher. Not maybe. Uh, Fletcher literally said that he John Torrell was his favorite guy and basically said that he's pounding the table for Torts. Interesting. I didn't like listen to that fully, so I guess maybe I should, Every, yeah. So I don't know. I just yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. All I right. back him pretty hard there. That's fair. Um, there's not many like not much else like forward wise. I mean, Vladislav Domestikov's a guy who Obviously, for Red Wing fans, he endeared to uh, like he endeared himself to us. And if the Red Wings kind of just choose to kind of stay even keel, you know, not make too big of a splash, kind of spend some spend some money on some short term guys, pay them a little extra than they probably were expecting. I'm cool with giving Domestikov more money than he deserves. Yeah, fine, I'd, be, fine I'd be okay with that too. He's proved he can play up and down the lineup, and I think that's fine. Um, yeah. He's not like an exclamation point of what I'm looking for, but again, he's not an awful decision. Um, but they, definitely like the the thing that Eisman's really poked at the most this season is rebranding the defense, is making it better because it was unacceptable. And unfortunately, this year is not the d- defensive market to really do it. Um, there are a couple guys who I'm like, you know, yeah, like they're fine. Like 
second, third pairing, maybe second at best. But again, I think there are guys that can help. And my number one guy is Brett Kulak. I I want Brett Kulak. I think he's John Merrill, but better. He's an interesting guy. I think he he could help. Um, very good puck mover. Good skater. Good defender. I just don't know what you're looking for when you're trying to fill this position because you don't know what you have on lefty this year. Right now, mm-hmm. guys that I would – I'm the only certain lefty that you have next year. You have no certain lefty, to be quite honest. You you yep. would think that Edvinson would be the most certain to me, and then you have Wal Wallman and Edvinson. Actually, yeah. I would tie them. Together. I would uh, thank you. That's what I was gonna say. Um, because what if Edvinson has a horrible cam? Um, right. what if you don't didn't like Wallman? Um, mm-hmm. there's two guys right there that you don't know what you're gonna do with. So then there's a situation. Well, what if you have zero left defenseman? Um, Mark Stahl, come on down. Mark Stahl would be back. I do think Kulak would be a good second pairing guy and a very good third pairing guy. Yeah, I, I just kind of look, I think it, it might be a little too, I don't know, painting the same picture-ish for me, but Kulak and Hironic kind of seem like a good pairing considering what Kulak did with Tyson Berry. Yeah. And Tyson Berry, who's not, notably not a good defense, defense, good defenseman on defense. And Philip Ronick, who's also not very good on defense. So I think that could be something where you could try to prove, like almost shelter. Again, what we've talked about with Ronick, sheltering his game and trying to get the best out of him. Because again, like, I mean, we talk about a trade all the time. And I think we, we both said, like, I think this, if you're going to do it, do it now when his mm-hmm. value is probably the highest. But I mean, there's also still a possibility. I mean, you look at the right handed side, there's not a lot of else coming up to the Red Wings in terms no. of right handed defensemen. So there's definitely a realistic possibility we still go in next season with him. So, you know, you could try to try to make that work. Yeah. So I think that's a realistic option. Another guy who I really like is Ian Cole, who's an analytics darling and also pretty solid third pairing, like a very good third pairing defenseman. But the only issue is we get into the point of where we're playing guys higher in the lineup than we should be. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I do think, though, that when we talk about defense and, and forwards for that matter, we're not talking about signing a bunch of guys. We're talking about one or two guys, like one or two guys before signing. We're signing them all like options for the ones. Like, again, I don't see the Red Wings signing two, two like decent name defense, two top six defensemen this year, this offseason. I don't see it happening. I think the other one would be required via trade. Yeah. I mean, the same goes for forwards, though, too. I also don't see them signing. Let's say my two favorites are Trocek and Forsberg. I don't see them signing both Forsberg and Trocek. No. No, I agree. It'd be one or the other. Yeah, I think so. So, again, it's kind of like we're just kind of laying on options. Um, people to chew on. Um, but, no, Ian Cole to me is, like, definitely an interesting one again. And, again, are we marrying him to Detroit because of Van Arbor ties? Maybe. 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 But he's legitimately good. That's not – that's not a like a bad thing to say. Like he was one of their the Carol like he was the most reliable defenseman in Carolina's bottom pairing that has played this year. So I like the Ian Cole fit. Another guy who I like is Colin Miller. 
This is where things get really interesting to me. Colin Miller is a name that I'm very intrigued for simply for the fact that if this is the year you decide Horonic is not fit, Colin Miller would be an easy replacement. And I think mm-hmm. you had, you had mentioned that to me earlier and I right. loved that point because he's a right-handed defenseman yep. and can be solid offensively and he's probably better defensively. Yeah, he's actually been pretty be- – he's been better defensively than offensively of late. Like his numbers, his production's – I mean, 41 points in Vegas is pretty hard to repeat. Yeah. But you look at I – mean, he was on pace for 30 points this year. He only played 30 games. So it was, it's, it was a tough year for him. But you look at his defensive numbers in terms of, like, defensemen and, like, Corsi numbers, I'm pretty – like, for guys, games played, I'm pretty sure it was only – it was him and Rasmus Dahlin were both under 50, but, I mean, it was Buffalo, so – same thing with like Detroit when you, yeah, when you know, Valley defenseman there. So he's one of the better defensive defensemen in Buffalo in terms of the fancy stats. Again, I don't watch all the Buffalo Sabres games, so I can't really say you, you don't. I don't, surprisingly. I actually talked to Carson Gates about Colin Miller, maybe, but no, I think he's definitely a, a guy who should be of injury, even if we don't trade Horonic. Gus Lindstrom is a guy who was in and out of, in and out of the, the lineup this year. And also, like, think people like really get married to the whole left hand, left hand defense and right hand defenseman. While I think it's like beneficial, I don't care. Play have four right hand defensemen. Yeah, I don't care. I don't. I literally don't. Like, remember when the Red Wings were last in the playoffs? We had one right hand defenseman. Yeah, I'm not my green married to the idea either. For some reason, it's more settling if it's two left hand. The defenseman to me. Well, it's because it's it's way more rare to have two right hand defensemen. That's the reason. It's because you're not used to it. But again, like it's it, the same thing. If you paired Phil Peronic with Phil Peronic, I think I would have a cardiac. Well, I mean, well, uh, is it more so just the the handedness, or the more so the fact that they're playing I together? Don't know. He's the first right handed defense that comes to my mind. Well, perfect. Well, Tyson Berry and Phil Peronic. We'll try it. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah, that would be. Uh... My biggest nightmare right there. Um, have, when I fall Adam asleep Ernie. tonight, when I fall asleep tonight, I'm thinking about a Tyson <laughs> Berry and Phil Peronic de-pairing, and I think I might have cardiac. And then we have Adam Ernie, um, first half of the season, Michael Rasmussen, and uh, I don't know, random guy on the other line. Out defending, out defending uh, Nathan McKinnon line. Yeah, I'm down for yeah. This is we're really getting to my nightmare territory. <laughs> I like the first half of the season, Michael Rasmussen with Adam Ernie, and I'm trying to think of another forward that is just the death of me. I can't think of one right now. I couldn't think of one on like Detroit. And I'm gonna like, go. Nemestikov right was the was the common lineman, but he wasn't the problem. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good podcasting right here. It's just us thinking. Yeah. Us thinking. Not the best. Um, yeah, another, like, kind of move on from, from Grant's Nightmare. Oh, it's Tanner Pearson. That would be my next one. Oh, yeah, he sucks. I'm the biggest Tanner Pearson hater ever. Like, Vancouver's like, yeah, we're willing to trade Tanner Pearson. Like, yeah, I'd hope so. Yeah, nobody wants him. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Dude, have fun. <laughs> Uh, Hi, I'll take four first round picks if you're gonna give me Tanner <laughs> Pearson. 
just because I don't put him in my lineup and I have to see his <laughs> like non-aesthetically pleasing gear wear. I don't know why he's just like so boring to me. He's oh my gosh. If I had like if players like if NHL players had like were like chocolate like like or like candy bar flavors or whatever, just vanilla. Yeah, just kind of boring. You know. Um. Yeah, like I mean, there's a couple other guys. Like, move off of this. We can talk about other defensemen. Edler and um, Ali Mata interest me from LA as well. Edler, who has been since like 2011, like always, like the Red Wings beat writers were always like, we should trade for Alex Edler. I don't know if you remember that. Uh huh. You don't remember that? Okay, maybe I was just on blogs way too much. Everyone's like, let's get Alex Edler. He's on the market, and he never moved. It's like Jay Bomeister too. Those two defensemen were the longest time. Like, get him, get him to Detroit, and never happened. Obviously, but Alex Edler at 36 this year had a pretty good season on a young LA team. And you look at Detroit's decor next year; might be a little young. I don't know. Good fit there. Olimata, who was really good at one point, then really bad, then kind of good again, and then kind of bad, and then kind of had a pretty good season last year. Defensively, anyway. He's mobile, too. He kind of reminds me of, like, Vero. But, obviously, NHL version. Yeah, I mean, I to me, I'd have more interest in Edler than I would Olimata. I mean, yeah. just the amount of times I've watched Olimata scare me. He'd be maybe in that nightmare, too, for me. Not as bad. No. That was, that was years prior nightmares. Um, Alex Edler would be a really inter- intriguing guy as a maybe a veteran presence for a guy like Ed Vincent to come into, another Swede. Right. And a lot older. Maybe a good mentor Yep, type deal for him. Um, yeah, so that's a guy that I would be curious about. Right. And a lot of like Red Wings fans were like they like I, like the big name on defense is John Klingberg. Uh, his reported ask is pretty high, like near six million by like max term. No thanks. Six million. That's it. It's a lot of money for John Klingberg. It is. I thought he'd be asking for more. I don't. I, I'm kind of like I thought. I, I I know he's asking for like max term from Dallas, but I'm not sure the actual money. I thought it was six million. I could be wrong on that. Um, yeah, if you enjoy Philip Peronic, how about a worse defensive defenseman in John Klingberg, who's slightly better offensively? Um, quite a little bit better offensively. He's a lot better offensively. Maybe that du- that dude does wonders on a power play. Yeah, I just think he does wonders in defensive zone in a really bad way. I think you're just thinking about the Larkin goal this year. Maybe, maybe recency um, bias. I don't think Klingberg's as bad defensively as you're making him out to be. Do I want him in Detroit? Absolutely not. Um, I think the only way, if you're going to get Klingberg, the reason you're getting him is for first power play. Which is already um, taken care of. Which is already taken care of. That's why I said absolutely not. Yep. Um, I literally think he's – one of the best power play quarterbacks in the league. But I also think he's one of the worst defenders in the league. Okay, players. there we go. There we are. Um, 
his defensive, I know everyone's going to hate this, but when I watch him, I just, I, I kid defensively, he just drives me crazy. Uh, him and Aaron Ekblad are the two defensemen in the league that drive me absolutely bonkers watching them that are on different teams in Detroit. Um, I know Aaron Ekblad uh, is a very beloved, beloved defenseman in this league, but I'm here to tell you that Aaron Ekblad is completely overrated. And there's, he's not great defensively. Yep. I don't, I saw him in Norris ballots this year and I like almost lost my mind. Someone wise insider. I saw a com- someone compared Cider to Ekblad, um, and I said Cider's already better than Ekblad. Yeah, not far off. Ek- not there is, it's not not far off. It's he's already better than Ekblad. I think Mackenzie Weegers better than Ekblad. I'd agree with that one. Mackenzie Weegers always a scapegoat in Florida because nobody wants to put the blame on Ekblad because he's the big name. Weegar is very good, very good. Um, yeah, there's like not many like moving like other defensemen. There's not many other names like obviously there's like PK Subban who's available, and I don't know. To me, it doesn't make a lot of sense in Detroit. <laughs> I mean, he would be a bottom pair defenseman, and he's right-handed, so maybe. But again, he, I don't... He, he'd be interesting to me. I don't know. Really? Oh, well, I don't know why. I, I, if I'm Montreal, I'm bringing him back. I don't care. Really? I don't. Hundred percent. I, I do everything in my power to bring him back. I give him ten million. There's also Chris Letang too, who's a very, very good defenseman. But again, uh, going to be a lot of money for a guy who's pretty old. I think he'll resign in Pittsburgh. I've heard they're quite a bit apart on term. Like he's reportedly looking for like closer to five years, and he's like thirty six. Really? Yes. I thought they were a lot closer. I don't. Maybe it's maybe I'm mixing up with the Malkin stuff. I think Malkin. you're mixing up with Malkin. Yeah, because he. I heard is like. Or, I read that. I read that Malkin is way far off, and I read Latang is probably going to happen. Okay. Latang literally just had a very very good year for a contract he's a very, year. Very, he's a very good defenseman. I agree. Yeah. Both aspects, like both sides. I, mean, I think he's at this point. I think he's a little bit better offensively than he is defensively, but. I still think he's a pretty solid defender. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting offseason in terms of like day one free agency in the draft and stuff. But I think this is better. It's a better um, free agent class as well than last year. So I'm, I am excited to see some of the big names. And for entertainment's sake, I do hope like Forsberg and Goodrill both hit the market. Me too. Those are two huge names. And also like Klingberg and Latang, even and Malkin and Giroux, who we didn't even talk about Giroux. I don't want to see Latang in another uniform, I don't think. No. <clears throat> no. I don't really care. I do enjoy Pittsburgh not having nice things though. Yeah, I mean, is it gonna be nicer for him to be there for Pittsburgh or him to be gone and to have that cap relief? There's two different sides of it. Um true. I, I I would. I don't know. I, I want to see Malkin somewhere else because I think Malkin's a lot more interesting. I, him playing somewhere else would be really interesting to me. Boston? 
Watch him go to Washington. Oh my god, that would be so funny. Just think about it. Him and Ovi, but then there was that rivalry for so long. That's that's the first thing I think of. It's like that's it been insane. But what if Ovi's crazy? Like, Come play with me, pal. And then he's like, okay, how much the guys are gonna give me money? And I get to hang out with all my Russian friends. If Ganny's there, I'm not gonna let you. Uh, let's uh, let's. I'm not gonna let you slide on that <laughs> terrible Russian accent. Whatever you just tried to pull, I'm not moving past. That was awful. Sorry. Yeah, you should be. Anyway, this this point is moot. Not a good, not a good fit. Not fun. I'm out just because of that accent. You're out on the Kenny Malkin to Washington. Yep. Not fun to me anymore, simply for the fact of your shitty accent. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I think it's gonna be yeah. Uh, obviously, like next couple of weeks for Red Wing fans, especially, it's gonna be super exciting because we do have thirty six million dollars in cap space. Uh, it's not gonna spend itself. As much fun as like I would, you know, just give me the team card. What is it? Fourteen of the floor. Yes, and our RFAs include Philip Zadina. Jake Wallman and Mitchell Stevens and Ole Dulever. Uh he's gone. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, don't wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if Mitchell Stevens is gone either. I wouldn't sign Mitch. I wouldn't resign Mitchell Stevens. Yeah, the only two I'm really, the only two that are of any consequence are Zadina and Wallman. Yeah, Chase Pearson, Coolio Narva too. Congrats on a two way deal. Yeah, I That's love Chase it. Pearson. I do too. I hope he's brought back to being Grand Rapids, but I do not care. Like he's not gonna get a one way deal. <laughs> Watch him get a one way deal. He's here's our second line center problem. <laughs> eliminated. <laughs> See, my problem, problem, problem eliminated. Solved. He X's out <laughs> his offseason to do last year. <laughs> Top six center second, er, on his to do list is the first thing, and then I can see him just sitting or standing next to his whiteboard and he goes problem solved and exits it's out. like uh chase pearson six by six it's <laughs> like in billy madison when uh when adam adam sandler calls steve buscemi's character where he bullied him in high school yeah and steve buscemi is the kill list it's like him <laughs> crossing it off in lipstick it's steve eisman when he signs chase pearson this what, what would like you second do? line center what would you do if it came through the internet and said chase pearson has been signed to a one way Six year, six million dollar per year deal. Whoa, I laugh. Whoa. <laughs> I think I think I would think it's the funniest thing in the world, and then and then I would actually and then I would actually process it, and I'd be like, "This yeah. is the craziest thing." Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and then the, next to the um, the off season checklist, he has the daily checklist for Eisman, and it's only one thing on there, but it's a bunch of it's it's listed. Through is it's listed as many days as there are in the off season. It's called Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am really curious to see what Chucky Chucky F does. You mix Something in a Ken Hall, you you mix in a Ken Holland day in there too. Call him up, see how he's doing. Would you Maybe. take on JVR? Um, depending on what we're getting back, yes. Yeah, because I don't think JVR is a bum. I think JVR is still a, a a very usable player. I think it'd be very interesting what Chucky would give up to get rid of him. 
Yeah, I'm intrigued. Like, they need to move because salary cap. how many other teams can take on JVR and be okay with it? See, I would see like Philly being in on the Johnny Goodrow sweepstakes, and they need to make space for that. An easy one is James Van Riemsdyk. But I'm saying, like, how many other teams would be maybe like Seattle? How many other teams are okay with taking on, or would be able to take on JVR for assets? Like a lot of stuff. Like the ask for take on JVR is probably pretty large since it's Chuck Flesher. Well, let's look at let's look at Shane Goss's bear last year. He got a second and a f- seventh, I think it was from f- from Philly to go yeah, to Arizona. That's wild. And he was only making four. Yeah, he was on two years. Don't get me wrong. But if we look at actual money, it's still seven million dollars for one year. Hi, I'll take the fifth overall pick. That's kind of where I was thinking. It's probably not going to be that, but... And I will flip that for something else. Maybe, I don't know, Travis Konechny. <laughs> yeah, that on. I don't know. No, JVR is definitely like something interesting. I would definitely take on JVR because I think as if, like he could still be a solid third-line forward here's a and sweetener. with power play, power play one. Yeah, here's a sweetener. You can have Travis Sanheim with him. But you also have to give up Philip Ronick, but we'll give you Travis Konechny in return for that too. <laughs> it's a huge move, colossal <laughs> trade. Yes, no, that'd be no. Even like getting draft picks back in general, like if you're not crazy about, you know, some more some more bigger name guys, you kind of have that veteran JVR option who can play in the top six. Granted, his five on five game is pretty whatever at this point, but very good power play guy. And I think he can score 20 goals pretty easily. Yeah. So I think that's something there. I, mean, I don't think he's going to be a huge point producer or anything, but who knows? Maybe throw him with Larkin and Raymond and see how much fun you can have. Yeah, True. never know. Pot's 30. Who knows? Or throw him with Ernie and Helm. See how much fun. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Okay. But I think that's going to do it for this one. It was definitely a lengthy one. I was not expecting to go this long. Um, but yeah, it's the offseason. So, yeah, look forward to the episode next week. Um, we'll be coming out. Um, support us on Inside the Rink, um, our, all of our podcasts are on the website. You can check out my stories. Uh, follow us on Twitter at TPL Pod. Follow our personal accounts. They're linked in there. Subscribe to Apple Pods. Again, leave a rating. Helps with, helps with the ratings for us. And, yeah, thank you for listening.